Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker and author. Each week I speak to a variety of guests from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate and inspire. So I hope that the Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. Hi everyone. So good to see you all. Oh my gosh, so excited to be here this evening for this very special episode, a live recording of the Power Hour podcast in partnership with Starbucks UK. So thank you so much for joining us all. Honestly, after a cold, long, grey winter, I for one am so ready for spring. I am so ready to embrace the spring. And so this evening we're going to be talking a lot about springtime and about why spring is such a great time for us to embrace new things, for us to shake it up, mix it up and to pursue our passions and I'm just like I say so here for it so ready for it and of course to celebrate the spring menu as well so as you can see we've all been trying the iced shaken espresso from the new menu and have you tried it you oh, tried yeah. yours you know I have yes you've tried it <laughs> it is absolutely delicious so coffee lovers podcast listeners I encourage you to give it a try for yourself it is now available in stores in drive through and on Starbucks delivers as well all right, so this evening's guest is someone who I am so excited to interview. If you don't already know, I'm sure you do, but if you don't already know the wonderful Sophie Butler, then please allow me to introduce you to her. Sophie is a wellness influencer and advocate for disability awareness and self-love. She uses her platforms to empower and educate us, and her passion for creating change has led her to be the first ever wheelchair user to be on the cover of Cosmopolitan magazine here in the UK. Yes, yes. <laughs> Amazing, iconic. And she was also, she won the Health and Wellbeing Influencer of the Year Award back in 2019 and the Cosmopolitan Influencer of the Year Award in 2021. And not only that, she's also been named Attitudes LGBTQ plus trailblazer. Wow, Sophie. I really wish that in every social situation I could just have you to introduce me like that. And like any social anxiety will never Gone. exist. Gone. Well, firstly, welcome to the podcast. Thank, Thank you, you so for much having me. for joining us. So, so exciting. And as I said, you've tried the drink. How delicious. I have. It's delicious. Slightly out of my reach right now. Oh, maybe well, a anytime hint. Anytime you need it. Maybe a hint to anyone who has asked. Oh, there you go. Thank anytime you, you need so it. much. <laughs> thank you. Love that. Well, Sophie, we also have a few things in common. And when I said in Sophie's introduction about the 2019 Cosmopolitan uh, awards that's the first time we met mm. now we were both nominated in the same category there was eight nominees and I was the runner-up and Sophie was the winner so that was the first time yeah yeah so I was your runner-up that was the first time we met and yeah a lot's happened since then so many things I want to talk to you about tonight but I think some of the things that we have in common we both share a passion for fitness and for training for both mind and body we both love to shop and serve a cute outfit yes I love your outfit reveals iconic on Instagram <laughs> And also we both said that 2022 was going to be a year of joy and a year of fun and a year of, I definitely feel like 2022 was one of the best years of my entire life and I prioritized joy. And I read that you also said, you know, you moved to London and it was a year of fun and friendship. And I think that post 
pandemic, you know, post, post being at home, having to be locked down for two years and restrictions and not being able to really just have fun and, ha and feel, I suppose, carefree. I think it was really important that, that I really wanted to do that. And I hope that that momentum, that joy and that energy is going to carry on into 2023. But that's really where I want to start the conversation with you, because you are someone who has so much energy and such a like vibrant, joyful energy. And so when there is so much going on in the world or, or in our lives, it can be easy to feel overwhelmed and to feel down. So why do you think it's so important for us all to prioritize joy? And how are you going to do that this spring? As you say, it's so important to prioritize joy. And I think like one way that I've kind of always do it, and I, I obviously do it in the spring, but I try to do it especially in the winter, we've seen the last few months. Really, it's just looking at like everyday things and really trying to see like, the beauty in them which is so corny and I'm so aware of that but like I could literally be that kind of person who has like a coffee and be like this is so good look at me I have a, I get to have a morning coffee or like I'm I'm that person who takes a picture of every single sunset like I've never seen a sunset before yeah. but I think it's like those things and like finding joy in those things which really helps you to just lead at least a happier life I mean it doesn't mean you're not going to face struggles and you're not going to have down days and obviously there is an element of toxic positivity that can come with that if you're mm. not being realistic about what you're actually feeling but I think just really stripping it back and what in your day-to-day -day life brings you joy and doing more of that Yes, amen. I absolutely agree with you. And it's, it's nice that it can be those smaller things, like you said, savoring your morning coffee and, and, you know, really, yeah, help us to shift our mindset to focusing on, the, you know, the important small joys of the day. Because often I think when we think about, you know, okay, this year I'm going to live my best life and celebrate and it's all going to be joyful all the time. We think about the big moments, you know, the, the, the holiday or the, I don't know, the, the, the experience or the something new. And actually it can be, as you said, the small thing, as long as you, yeah, savor it, enjoy it and really notice it and you bring your attention to those things, I think it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a huge mood boost as well. Oh, absolutely. I think if it's like confidence, joy, whatever the emotion is, is almost like a muscle, like you have to train yourself to feel it. Mm. And I think joy is one of those things that if you can recognize joy in your everyday life, it's going to be so much easier to embrace those actual big moments and things that, you know, really do need to be celebrated and are like visibly more celebratory. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So let's talk about new things because, you know, spring, as I said, good time to embrace new things. Now, I want to know if you... Firstly, if you're, I'm, I'm quite a creature of habit. So as much as I want to talk about embracing new things and I try to do that myself, I'm also someone who I like what I like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so like once I find that drink that I like, I'm like, I'm going to order that again and again and again. I know my order. Or if it's a song, you know, I still listen to Writings on the Wall, Destiny's Child. As Anyone else? <laughs> okay. I'm glad to see people nodding their heads because I feel like sometimes when I see a lot of young faces, I'm like, do people even know that Beyonce was actually once in a girl group? <laughs> that is how old I am. But seriously, that album is iconic, iconic. And so if it's good, I want it again, again, play it on repeat. So as much as I like what I like, I also, I think about the last you know, few years and all the new things, whether it's, go, again, going back to post-pandemic, wanting to go to new places, new experiences, new foods, new drinks, new people. It has been so important for all of us, I think, to kind of just get back out there. So yeah, when it comes to new things, Sophie, firstly, are you a bit like me, pick and stick, or do you just always just try something new? 
little bit of both. Definitely a creature of habit. Like I have the same routine every morning. So I'm definitely somewhat a creature of habit. I mean, especially with you, like I have a drink that I like, I pick it and I stick to it. Yeah. I mean, like I'm gay and it's in our culture that we have ice drinks whole year round. Oh, really? Like, oh, yeah. We I don't care if it's like, it's been a red weather warning outside before for a storm. And I'm like, I need to go out and get my ice latte. Ice latte. <laughs> so okay. I'm definitely a creature of habit. I yeah. mean, obviously the ice drinks definitely hit better in the spring. And yeah. I always try to push myself to try new things so that I don't get comfortable. Mm. Um, especially like being a disabled woman as well. It's so easy to stick in your comfort zone and not do things because they're scary. Mm. Um, but I think it's really good to admit that, oh God, I'm really scared to do this or I'm really nervous or whatever it is and go, but it will be good for me. So I'm going to feel the fear and I'm going to do it anyway. Yes, yes. And do you have any new things this year? Anything's coming up this spring or this year that you think you're going to embrace for the first time or revisit? Yeah, definitely revisiting. Um, oh my God, exclusive scoop, because I don't tell anyone anything. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm coming back to YouTube after a two-year hiatus. Okay. Um, which I'm really excited about. I'm basically going to build off like topics I already speak on, like topics I've already been speaking on Instagram and TikTok for, for years now, mm. but being able to take the skills that I've learned and put myself in a, in a bit more of like a longer format and really push myself because the more you're showing up to work every day, you're creating content, you get very safe with it. And okay. you again, become a creature of habit. So yeah. I kind of really want to visit YouTube and see how I can explore things more deeply and really kind of really get into the nitty gritty. Yes, I mean, you're speaking my language, long form, hello. <laughs> I am long winded, which is why podcasting was the perfect platform for me. So I look forward to the long form content. I think people, you know, this quick, quick, quick is fine for some things, but I like long form as well. I like yeah. to go deep. All right, so what is next? I haven't looked at the script once since we sat you're down. You're doing very well. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so next up, I wanted to talk to you, I guess, not this like a more serious note, but I do think it's an important thing to talk to you about because I was considering, you know, all the different questions. And I've talked a lot on the podcast before about overcoming challenges, about mindset. And it's something that I really try to encourage people to, yeah, find different tools, different frameworks, different ways to overcome challenges. And I was also thinking about the, the springtime and the cold doing it differently. And I actually thought that, you know, for many people, myself included, the idea that I'm going to do it differently is potentially a luxury. You know, it's a luxury for me to say, I'm going to do it differently this year, I'm going to mix it up, because unfortunately, the world isn't always designed for people with disability. And I'm sure there are many challenges that you face and many things that you have to do differently due to necessity. So, yeah, so I wanted to kind of firstly, yeah, acknowledge that and say when it comes to overcoming challenges and doing things differently, how have you, how have you approached that? Yes, definitely. It's a really good question. I'm glad you acknowledged as well that it is a privilege to be able to do things differently and it be like a great thing because as a disabled person, doing things differently is a necessity. Like we have to do a lot of things differently. But the alternative to if you don't want to do things differently, if it's too scary, the alternative is missing out and not mm. doing stuff, which I think is really sad. And, you know, I know a lot of disabled people um, and myself included, maybe like a few years ago, fall into that trap of, oh, but you know, it's new or it's scary or I can't see how it can be done. I've never seen someone else do it this way. Mm. So I'm not gonna do it because the risk of if it goes wrong, isn't just, oh, I embarrass myself. It could be potentially dangerous. Mm. Um, I know a big one for me was the London Underground. I mean, I'm born and raised in Essex, so I've been in and out of London my entire life. I know London very well, always been very comfortable with the underground till I became disabled. And I'd never seen a disabled person or never seen a wheelchair user on the underground. So I just thought like, oh, that's, that's too scary, I won't do it. 
I didn't use the underground until last year when I moved to London. And that was like nearly five years after becoming disabled. Mm. And for those five years, I was like spending extra money on cabs or like missing out on things because I didn't want to do that because it was so scary. And then when I moved here, I, I said to my flatmate literally the night before we did it, I went, got a meeting in Central tomorrow, it's near Bond Street. I said, you go, you work near Bond Street, don't you? He said, yeah. And I said, right, I'm gonna come to work for you tomorrow. I'm gonna get a tube with you. And he was like, okay. I was like, yeah, okay, we can, we can do that. And I could see he was a bit scared, but he was like, let's go over the steps of that we need, what we need to know to do. And then we can just go and do it. And we learn, we trial and error it. And honestly, the best thing I ever did, because now, I mean, I get the two pretty much every other day, if not every wow. day. So it has become one of those things that when I got over the fear of doing it, it really has transformed my life. Mm. But it took so long to get over that fear. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing up with us. And yeah, I hadn't actually thought of it in that way of the alternative is, yeah, missing out. Mm -hmm. And as you say, it's a shame. So I'm sure for many people, whether they have disabilities or not, thinking about, you know, the idea of what are they potentially missing out on? What is the alternative if I'm not willing to try and find a way? And it's not to say it's going to be easy. As you said, like, took you a long time to get to that place. But yeah, trying to focus on, okay, I don't want to miss out. How can I make it happen? And, and as you did, getting support from someone, a friend, someone yeah. in your family, someone who to say, you know what, I really do want to try something new. I want to give this a go. Can you support me? Yeah, I think we're so often as well scared to ask for help. It's seen as like a, a weakness almost. But yeah. I think, and I probably was a little bit like that. I probably am still a little bit now. I'm a little bit like, you know, very independent and sometimes really latch onto that. Especially as a disabled person, you're often seen as not being independent. So I really latched onto I am independent. I, do it all, I yeah. reinforce the idea to myself all the time that it's okay to ask for help. And if it's going to make your life easier, ask for help. It's not a shameful thing. Yes. And so we've talked about overcoming challenges. We've talked about joy. And you mentioned the word independence then, and you said it's very important to you. Now, this is something I'd also prepared to talk to you about. And I kind of thought about confidence and independence together. You strike me as someone who is very confident and who is very independent. Would you agree with those things? Yes, but in compartments. Okay. Like I think, I think people think of confidence is like, oh, she's just confident, and you know, and it's like a monolith. But I think confidence more as being like in compartments of our life. So I'm really confident in myself as an individual, and like what I do, like sitting up and talking to you guys now, like this stuff, like this doesn't bother me. Like this is actually like it's my element. On a more like one to one intimate basis, like whether it's like dating or you know <laughs> therapy or something that allows me to put my guard down a bit and just be one-to-one -one and I can't put on the ooh, you know sort of like here I am kind of thing and it's a bit more intimate that I find really hard but again the, the reason why I have confidence in the areas that I am so confident is because I practice that confidence I didn't just wake up one day and I was like do you know what I'm amazing. I like really wasn't a confident, I was maybe a confident kid. I used to do show and tell every single day at primary school. I don't know if anyone remembers show and tell, but it was so fun. I used to love it getting up there and talking to people. And I think slowly over time, life just kind of beat that out of me. Maybe mm. school a lot didn't help. And I just became like, I couldn't even put my hand up in class. Like I was really that like teenager. I was so scared. Um, but I think coming into this kind of job, this industry and practicing that confidence has really allowed me to actually be confident. And then the areas that I'm not confident in, I'm, I'm working on those in the same way. And hopefully we'll be at a confident place in those in the future. 
Yeah, that is such a great answer. I really hope that people will hear that because they do typically, a lot of people think confidence is like a personality trait. So it's like, oh, you're extroverted, therefore you're confident. And it's not so at all. I've actually done a whole episode on confidence before with this amazing uh, professor and he talked to us about the science of confidence. And it was so interesting to learn that ex being extroverted or introverted has nothing to do with confidence. You're completely right in the, the kind of practice of confidence and the more times you do something through intentional repetition, through intentional practice, you start to, I guess, like earn your stripes. You start to realize the more times you do it, the more competent you become, and the more competent you are, the more confidence you are, you have. So it's, yeah, it's really a muscle that people can practice. And I like that, you know, you might be confident in one area of your life. That doesn't necessarily mean you're confident in all areas. I know the settings, like, similar to you, public speaking, give me a mic, <laughs> put the lights on. I'm confident, I'm good to go. But there's other areas of my life where I really lack confidence as well. So I think it's nice for people to know that as well. If you do see someone who you think they're super extroverted, they're looking the bomb, they're super confident, they might not be like that all the time. And it also can be a bit of a, um, almost like a persona that you can put on. You know, it's can, for a lot of people, I think it can be like this alter ego almost that when they step into that role, yeah. they can fake confidence. And like, that's not always a bad thing, but. Yeah, like I was gonna say like Beyonce and Sasha Fierce. Exactly. And she said when she's with like her kids and her husband, they forget she is. Beyonce from the stage. Yeah, which yeah. I just think it's so wild yeah. because I'm like, imagine her just eating beans on toast. Yeah. Like, do you yes. know what I mean? Like, imagine that. <laughs> but it's a really good example because although we laugh, like, you're right, to go on stage and to have that, like, powerful energy that she has to have and to be, yeah, confident and sexual and all these things. She, yeah, you're right. In a lot of interviews, she says that actually in other roles of your life where you don't want to necessarily be that version and you might want to be, yeah, as a mother or in certain settings, you just, it just requires a different energy. So yeah, her having that alter ego, which is, you know, she shared the name, Sasha Fierce. I think a lot of people probably have an alter ego. They just haven't necessarily shared their, their name with the public. Um, or maybe it's just me. Um, but yeah, I think it's a good, a good tool to try. Okay, so confidence was one part of it, but the independence was the other. So what advice would you give to anyone who is thinking, actually, I want to be more independent. I want to be able to do more things either by themselves or because a lot of people are afraid to do things by themselves, even just like, I don't know, going for a coffee or going to the cinema or going to the gym. So yeah, what would you say to someone who, who wants to get better at being more independent and doing things by themselves? Yeah, it's really interesting you say that because I only realized maybe like last year or the year before that like people are kind of scared to do things by themselves. A lot of people. Yeah, I really people. didn't realize like how many people it was. I thought, you know, obviously it's a thing, but I didn't realize it's quite widespread. I think for me, um, I mean, one of my, my idols growing up, and really embarrassing if he does listen to this, my uncle Ian, he's one of those people who's always just gone and done stuff on his own. You know, like I remember when I was a kid, he was like, OK, I'm going to Australia. He's Australia for six weeks on his own, yeah. you know, and he'll always go and do, do things like that. So I really had that good sort of visual growing up of people just do it, knowing things they want to do and going doing do it, it, whether they can do it on their own or not. Um, and I think that's really how I look at it. And again, it comes back to missing out because before I moved to London, I lived in quite rural Essex with my parents. Mm. And if I wanted to do stuff, I had to do stuff on my own because majority of my friends lived in London. Right. So if I want to go to the cinema, if I want to get a coffee, it had to be by myself. So again, it was, you do it and you do it differently or you miss out. And I think that's something that, has really been ingrained into me. But I guess if you haven't got that option, it's so easy to just not do it because yes. you're, you know, you're always dependent when someone's free. But I guess you could maybe just start small. Mm -hmm. If your girl would be like, oh, I'd love to just be able to have dinner by myself, go out and have dinner like in a restaurant. Maybe just like, okay, well maybe I'll pick up a coffee and I'll take it to a park or I'll sit on a bench or, you know, progress to lunch or take, and you can take like guards of armor, like so nineties, but maybe take like a book 
call, like a laptop. A and real book? A real book. A real book, everyone. Throwback. <laughs> Sorry, maybe like an e-book or something. Uh, <laughs> no, I still read real books. Yeah, I'm me that, too. <laughs> I'm that person on the tube. I miss my stop sometimes because I'm like, oh no, if I'm reading a really good book, I've done that many times. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe take something like that that doesn't make you feel like less alone. Mm. But I think long term, it really is changing your perception on what it means to be alone and like how you feel about that because... I, I think, you know, it's like, you're not lonely being alone. Like, I'm not a lonely person. Yeah. I have lots of people around me and I love spending time with my people. It really nourishes me, like emotionally and socially. But I also need my alone time because that also nourishes me in an, as an individual. And I think that's something to really work out is what do you as an individual like to do? What nourishes you? What makes you feel good? And go and do those things. Mm, yes, and make sure you have space for it. I often talk about this idea of white space. That's what I call it. Like your version of alone time, I call it white space. And I say to people, do you have any white space coming up in your diary in the next week, in the next month? And often people, they don't. You know, it's like back-to-back things. Every day is busy and we're all guilty of doing that. You know, I have a very colourful, busy life as well. But having white space where there's nothing in the diary, where you can wake up that day and say... I've got no plans today. And then, like you said, you can just go and do something that you want to do that day yeah. by yourself. I think my manager's going to start seeing that in my diary a bit more often now. Just white space Hold. marked out. She'd be white like, space. oh, I know that. Adrian was a bad example there. She's reading a book. <laughs> oh, no, that's great. I really like the idea of the, the armour. I think for a lot of people, that would be really helpful, actually, to have something like a little bit of a safety net to kind of go to. Because also people are afraid, not everyone, but when you said some people are afraid to do things on their own, some people are afraid to speak to strangers. Now, I've noticed this because I'm not. So if, I, <laughs> if I'm in the lift with you know, one person or two people, I think it's more awkward to just be silent. Oh, no, I'm right? the opposite. But some people think it's more yeah. awkward if no, you speak I'm... to them because you are a stranger and apparently just so crazy for speaking to them. So yeah, it can go either way because you can literally be like, hey, how you doing? And they're like, does she, do I know her? Or they're, yeah. they're going to look around like, is she talking? Oh, she's a talker. Uh-oh. And yeah. they're just like, don't engage. <laughs> don't look her in the eye. Whereas other people are like, yeah, wicked. How are you doing? Like, oh, and you just make literally any conversation for like the 45 seconds mm-hmm. that it takes to get to floor six. And then you're like, see ya. Have I, a have day. To, I have to do it every day because I live in a very tall apartment block and it's a long lift ride. Um, and because the apartment complex is so big, often with people that I don't actually know, you see someone doing the lift every day. And sometimes, I think it's more, I don't like talking to people who in the lift because I'm just like what if they don't want to talk to me so I won't instigate the conversation I do so yeah you will (laughs) if someone did I wouldn't be like oh they're talking I'm more like oh like I'm you know I wouldn't have started the conversation myself but I'm I'm glad it's happening yeah um it happened in the lift the other day me and I was going down to pick up a takeaway and being the guy in the lift down it was really like awkward silence you know you can just tell this is not comfortable silence when in I got my got my takeaway and he was also picking up a takeaway we ended up in the lift together on the way back up and I thought we're doing this again Damn, <laughs> we okay. meeting with our but he was like then he broke the ice and made conversation and just kind of made a joke of it and stuff and I was like I'm yeah. so glad you you did that maybe that will encourage me to talk to people more in lifts and yeah people in my building might complain to you now well, this is it. I'm not going to, I mean, proceed with caution because sometimes it goes well. Other times it, it doesn't and people just really don't want to talk to you, which I'm fine with. I'm okay with that. But I think, yeah, doing things by yourself, having the courage to start small. Like you said, take some, something with you. Take headphones. It's also a good one because if you don't like talkers, you can just put them on and pretend that you're listening to something. Okay, so confidence, independence, very, very important. And also, this is something I just can't not mention, is that, you know, this month is Women's History Month this month. And I feel like I just want to, I suppose, acknowledge again and thank you, Sophie, for all of the work that you do, 
for sharing your voice, for sharing your passion, for being so honest and candid, because I don't think you'll ever probably really know, you know, the impact and how many people probably look to you and the things that you share, the message and the way that you do it. Because we can all read, you know, motivational quote here or whatever, but I think seeing someone really lead by example is so powerful for so many people. I don't think you'll ever really know how many people you've impacted. Woo! Yay! <laughs> yeah, I'm also one of those people as well with like, can't take almost being perceived or like the, the idea that people can see me and see what I'm doing and see me as a real like 3D human being. I'm like, oh no, they're perceiving me again. <laughs> yeah. But no, like it's generally really nice to hear that. Cause obviously, you know, you, you know yourself being online, you know, I think sometimes you get thrown so much noise and not all of it great that uh, sometimes I forget that people actually not only watch my stuff, but sometimes like it. So that's always nice to know that they do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people, and I, as, you, as you say, it's so, so important. For, for you to hear that because we don't I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot of people who love you and care about you telling you that but I think it's never you can never hear it enough so so I wanted to thank you maybe that's what you should do in this compliment people in this. compliment people yeah. yes exactly All right, well, it's the Power Hour podcast and we have to, of course, talk about the Power Hour. So you mentioned it already somewhere on, you were like, I have a morning routine. I was like, yes. <laughs> so I, for anyone who doesn't know, the Power Hour concept is pretty simple. It is about the first hour of every day. Now, it doesn't matter what time that is. It doesn't matter what you do. But what I encourage people to do and to think about is just kind of ring fencing that time. So the first hour before we go into our schedules, our busy lives, whether it's kids, hitting the gym, whatever it is, have an hour and cultivate white space. Be intentional, focus on something that's gonna set you up for that day, whatever you have coming up. So, Sophie, I ask every single guest on the show to tell us, I've had so many different things over the last four years. So what typically does the first hour of your day include? Yeah, keep it simple. I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, I take an ice bath and then I, you know, I do. I always make sure I actually get up earlier to include this part of my day that I really like. Even okay. if I have to maybe be up earlier than usual, um, I will just push the, the alarm back an hour just so I can do my the power, the power hour, you know, exactly. there's, there's truth in it. So right now it is reading first thing in the morning. I absolutely love reading. I always have done. But I do, I realise I really have to mark time out for it. I have to put it in my diary or like in like my schedule, my notes app, whatever it is. Otherwise, it's so easy to just neglect it. Yeah. Um, so I right now I'm loving to read first thing in the morning, having a coffee and just really like absorbing, you know, whatever it is I'm choosing to absorb and purposely not scrolling through whatever like app it is. Mm -hmm. Although I will break that rule for the night after a Taylor Swift concert because okay. I want to see those Content. pics and videos first thing in the morning, but <laughs> only, only for her. Okay. Um, but yeah, and then in the springtime and in the like the lighter months, mm -hmm. I do actually just go to the gym first thing. Yeah. Wake up, no coffee, no breakfast, straight to the gym. A little bit, it sounds grimmer than it is. My, my gym is in my apartment complex, so it's not that weird, but like no shower, straight there. Straight in the gym. So, yeah, it sounds grim, but I promise. I no, like, I think most people would, would you okay. agree if you're waking up to just break a sweat straight away. Yeah, and, then you're, gonna, don't and then you're going to shower after, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, doing something in that first hour of the day that is like for me, it's not for anyone else, it is for me. And it's like, 
either fulfilling me socially, emotionally, bettering me and setting me up for the day. Mm. Yeah, well, as I say, I'm a huge advocate of creating space in the morning, having that hour. And often people will push back because they're like, why does it have to be in the morning? They're like, can't I just have an hour later on? And my challenge is that often later on in the day, there are so many things fighting for your attention and your energy and your focus. I mean, I am very easily distracted. So the reason I have to focus on that morning hour is because that is typically the time where there's less distractions, kids are still in bed, emails aren't going. So yeah, I would encourage you if you do want to start, especially this is the best time, honestly the best time, because if you can do it now, it starts to get lighter earlier, starts yes. to get warmer. It's the best time. Honestly, I've, I've obviously done this for years and years and years, but when I'm telling people to start the power hour mm -hmm. and it's November, they're just like, no thanks. <laughs> no thanks. Whereas honestly, springtime, I'm like, open those curtains, open the blinds, whatever it is, get some daylight in. Yeah. And it's, it's much easier to do it now. I had a moment in, I remember, and it was such a specific moment. It was in like, I think September and it had been, a, it was literally just last year, we had a gorgeous summer. And in the summer, I'm actually a bit more relaxed with my routine because I'm um, like, it's summer, I feel good. We're going out, we're doing more things. It's a little bit, it's a little bit more relaxed. But there was this one particular day in September where it, I woke up and it was pouring it of rain. And I was sat in my living room with my flatmate and I went, it's coming. And he went, what? And I went, winter. winter. And then the, the next day I was like, right, I need to get back into a, a good morning routine mm. again. Because in the summer, it's easier to be more relaxed. But in the winter, if I don't have that routine, just mentally, like psychologically, I'm such a mess. Yeah. So in the winter and like coming into spring, I'm carrying that through to spring. Yeah. So important for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, really good point, actually. It does take intentional effort you know yeah. it does take a bit of discipline and people don't always like that word but I am um, yeah I think the most important anything that I've achieved anything that I've set my mind to doing whether it's a physical challenge whether it's a career thing anything that I've done that's been difficult has required discipline mm -hmm. and I think it's also a really small way of practicing discipline by saying okay when you go to bed by thinking it's tomorrow morning for that first hour I'm not going to look at my phone that requires ninja-like discipline because who just looks at their phone within the first hour? Come on, please, show of hands, tell the truth. Wow, see? Sometimes. Um, exactly, so even that, even if you're not like, I'm gonna do an hour of meditation or exercise or whatever, just challenging yourself to practice discipline a little bit each day in the morning, it's always a good thing to do. It's a good skill to learn. It is. So if you had one extra hour every day, I'm giving you the gift of one extra hour, so it could be another power hour, but you now get 25 hours of every day, what would you use that extra hour to do? It's probably going to differ on a day-to-day -day basis, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I would probably take that time and spend it actually probably more with my people. Um, whether that is my flatmate or my family or, you know, whoever it is, mm -hmm. I'd probably just you take that time and spend it more with the people around me. Yeah, great. Love that. Yeah, I ask that question because I think often people say that they're time poor. So the thing that people want more of mm. is more time to, yeah. like you say, spend with family, spend with their kids, read books, do whatever the stuff they say I don't have time to do. So yeah, if you had 25 hours, what would you do with your extra hour? Okay, who has a question for Sophie? Should have told you at the start and everyone's like, oh, <laughs> come on. Otherwise, I'm just going to pick you, you know, like you're in the lift. I will. <laughs> OK, so the question was, how can you boost team morale and motivation? Yeah, I think definitely COVID has really impacted morale. But I think even now, one thing I really seek out is actually like 
co-working. Um, one of my best friends, Katie, is actually sat right behind you. I didn't know you'd be here tonight, so hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we don't technically work together, even though we're in the same industry, we don't technically work together, but something we'll do is like, hey, do you want to do a co-workspace? Well, you know, we get our laptops and go to Starbucks, or you know, you want to come to mine. We're not actually working together, but we're in that proximity. Um, so I think, you know, obviously there has to be safety regulations in place and stuff, because obviously, you know, the virus is still around and people are very nervous about getting back out there still. Um, but I think having that proximity to people and just being being around people, you might not necessarily be working on the same thing together, but you're sitting next to each other, you can bounce ideas off each other. And I know for me, working from home can be very stale creatively. So sometimes I'll go work outside or make sure I get a walk in the day and just getting outside of that usual environment. Mm. Yeah, can I add to it as well? I was thinking, I was like, yeah, team morale I think is really important. And I think that when we're with people day, day in, day out, whoever you spend time with, they can impact your energy as much as you can impact them. So a few things I would consider is thinking about each person in, in your team, having a, like a, a, a really good conversation with them about that, which says, you know, we all want to you know, support one another and like how is your energy and how you show up to work, how does that impact others? And then I think having some actual practical, tangible things you can all do as a team. So for example, on a Monday, like you talked about small the small joys every day, on a Monday, maybe saying to the team, okay, before Friday, let's all just share one thing that we want to achieve this week or that we're working on this week or something, a podcast you listened to that you liked or a book that you read that you liked or a gym class that you liked or a, a track, share a track that you liked, make a playlist. And on Friday, everyone just checks in and says, hey, did, how, you know, check in with that, like have a little Friday win or a little moment. And it's actually really nice because people start to remember the other person's, oh, hey, you were reading that book. How was it? Can I borrow it? And it starts to build a little bit of community outside of just, hey, we're here to work. Because whatever industry you work in, whether that's in a corporate setting, whether it's in a creative, when it's by yourself, I think having, yeah, the human element, I think is really important. And that is what a lot of people are missing. So yeah, having, yeah, little check-ins and giving people little things they can share each week might be a nice way to go. No worries. Give it a go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Go for it. Um, how do you get yourself out of a gym rut? Because I Oh, okay, great question. And the question was, how can you get out of a gym rut and get your motivation to get back to the gym? Yeah, it's really hard. I think the first step is admitting that like it does happen. Um, but I think it's just admitting that this happens, life gets in the way sometimes, and then looking forward and going, but what can I do about that from today or from tomorrow or whenever it is? I know for me, something I say is like, I just need to get back in there and get it done. And then it's like the first hurdle. Um, so even if you just take that first step and you do 15, 20 minutes or whatever it is, that is probably like the most important part. That's in my experience anyway. Yeah, you definitely come to the right people for this, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I think totally echo what you said. You've got to sometimes just get over that hurdle and go for it. Another thing to add to that, I think, is that, and this was a lesson that I learned recent, very, very recently from a wonderful guest on the podcast. I don't think the episode's even out yet. Wonderful psychologist. And you know it's okay to admit you're wrong or that you make mistakes or that you've been saying something for 10 years and now you've just learned better. That's what happens. So I've been saying for probably about 10 years, consistency is the key because that is what's worked very well for me. That's my personality. I like consistency in lots of areas of my life. So I've been encouraging others to do the same. I'm like, consistency is the key. Consistent, consistent, consistent. This psychologist who is amazing, she's in her 60s. She's such a well, just 
well of knowledge. And she basically, she kind of laughed at that and said, well, consistency is actually not in human nature at all. And, and I was like, well, what do you mean? She said, the idea of being consistent, she was like, it's laughable. She's not in human nature. We're not consistent. We're this and we're this and we're this and we're this and we're everything in between. So when you constantly try and force this, like be consistent, you never will be. And I was just sitting there like, <laughs> and what I took from it was that actually, once you accept that and embrace that, you can say, you know what? It's not to say, oh, well, I'm just going to give up then. Not going to bother. But you can have more self-compassion to say, being consistent is not human nature. So when we're down here, we've got to get back up. And when we're up here, it's not going to last. So just allowing that was just amazing. I'm just like, oh my gosh, what have I been doing? So, <laughs> and it's also nice to, like I said, when you learn new things to acknowledge that, oh, I know something and I can change my mind. Like I think being, allowing yourself to change your mind, to make mistakes. So when you asked that question, I was like, and normally I'd have been like, be consistent. Now I'm like, it's okay if we're not because it's not human nature. So I hope that is helpful and you do get back in the gym. Um, and yeah, I think that might be time up sadly because I definitely would love to ask you more questions and I'm sure, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to maybe do a, a part two with you, Sophie, because I've loved love it that. and it went too quick. Um, <laughs> so thank you again. Thank you everyone for coming this evening. I've absolutely loved interviewing Sophie. I'm really glad to see you all here in person, in the room, it's been amazing. And Sophie, what an incredible guest. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Can we take that? And of course, thank you again to Starbucks for hosting us in this wonderful space, for giving us all the wonderful food and drinks and just everything that you've done this evening because it's been brilliant. Thank you for having me.